Before we uh, begin to look here to God's word, I would be reminded to bring the greetings from our area. And if I could just take a moment, some of you may not know where that is. It's the Fraser Valley Apostolic Lutheran Church, and we are about 40 miles approximately east of Vancouver, Canada. And there are no one else here from there, and they all asked that I would bring greetings, and not only there, but I was, seems to me I forget so quickly, a week or so ago I was in northern British Columbia with the children of God there, and that's where my dad is, and others that some of you undoubtedly know, and they also send greetings from over there. And then this Saturday evening before we left on the airplane, we were in Vancouver, for a service there, and they also send greetings from there, so I would bring you those greetings from God's children. As we even have prayed that God might, in his wisdom and his mercy, continue to bless us this afternoon, the safest thing that we can do as God's people would be to then begin to look into his word. We all realize that we are not here to look to the servant. There are those here that know me quite well, and they know that that would be an absolute disaster. We have to look to the author and finisher of our faith. And I thought, even as we were singing, how it is that the voices of God's people were raised in thanksgiving. And this is such a thing that it's not easy for me to come here. It seems that the flesh is in much trembling and so on and so forth. And then when I listened to the words of that song, it seemed as though some sort of peace was there. Because really, we haven't come here for any other reason than that we would hear the voice of that good shepherd of our souls. So with that prayer that God would continue to bless as we undoubtedly believe as he has always done so and has promised in his word that he will even today. We will read from the writing of the gospel writer St. Matthew in the 16th chapter beginning with the it's amazing how a person can lose their place 13th verse and we'll read beginning with that 13th verse of that 16th chapter to the end of the 19th verse in Jesus' name as follows. When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Amen. Again, and 
those that are accustomed to hearing me probably grow tired of my saying this, but it occurs to me immediately when we begin to look at this, how amazing it is that God has inspired his writers to record this as he has. We remember that when the disciples of John, John sent them to Jesus to inquire there that was he the right one or or was there somebody else that he should be looking to, we remember what it is that Jesus told them. He told them to go and tell John what things ye do see and hear. And how it is, we remember how that was, how it was that the blind are, have their sight, the lepers are healed, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. He told them to go, in other words, I believe, and tell them, or to tell John, of that which you have experienced in Christ Jesus by faith. And it is the same for us here today. We don't begin to look to anything other than that which we have always known from that time when God has allowed us by the eyes of faith to see our salvation in our Lord and Savior. And so he has he begins our text here, and it is in my way of putting it perhaps, it is it is an everyday occurrence here, if you look at it with, with reason. Matthew has recorded how it is that Jesus, as it tells us in the first verse of our text, came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi. This was obviously nothing special. It was it was another day to those that were there with the Lord. But it, as we know by faith, it, there was much more there because we are dealing now with our Lord and Savior. But undoubtedly, there were many there that didn't even realize that there, there was anything different about this man, and it was j- just another day. But we see here then, this obviously must, been, must have been somewhat the way it was, because Jesus asked them then a question. He tells us he asked his disciples, that whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? I believe it is interesting that Jesus not only asked them the question, but he also gives them the answer. But we see that as Peter answers, or as they answer, that there was varying opinions on how they would answer this question. They said that some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. There seemed to be a difference of opinion about who this man, Jesus, was. We might begin to think that this was kind of a ridiculous thing here, that shouldn't they have known already who this was and, and how to answer this question properly. But we remember as we have just spoken of John and how it was that he had sent his disciples there to ask him, was he the right one? So we see that that these people of this time really, I believe, are no different than we are even yet today. And we can't begin to think in ourselves that we have some corner on this market of this business of faith. If it wasn't for the love of God, the salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus by faith, we too, if asked this question, would begin to answer in a million different ways. And it is, it is such a thing, I believe, if we as God's people could really understand just what this means here, we could close our services and rejoice always just in this amount of our text already. It is because we are able to answer even as Peter answered. 
and we haven't we haven't got any corner on wisdom or anything else it is because God has blessed us so that we might see our salvation in our Lord and Savior it is a blessing that comes from God and we all here have received that blessing and it is not something that has entered our minds by reason it has entered our hearts by faith and we are able to believe it we are able to look at these words and answer with Peter immediately that this is how it is and may God continue to bless us in that way, and we believe that he will because it tells us, in, as the writer of the Hebrews reminds us, that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. But it is such a thing that, that we, as and maybe you never have that problem, maybe it is more my problem, but it is such a thing that, that I often never stop to think how blessed it is that we can begin to look into God's word, begin to read these mysteries that so many people would want to know, and we are able to answer the answer correctly. But we also understand that it is not us that answers, but as we see a little farther on, it is the power of the Holy Spirit of God as he reveals his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to us by faith. And so it is then that they answered in these various different ways. And Jesus again asked them, and we, we notice or we, we remind ourselves here how it was that he asked the question too. He asked them that of whom do men say that I the Son of Man am. We remember that he, this, this man, Christ Jesus, is that only reason that we have, in my way of putting it, any reason for claim to fame. It is because God sent his only begotten Son, as the Bible tells us, to walk and to live and to die in our behalf that we are able to believe as we do today. God has planned his salvation in that way in that what Christ Jesus was able to accomplish was that which no other man has ever been able to and nor ever will be able to. The scriptures tell us that there is no one good, no not one, save him whom God has sent, and that is Christ Jesus our Lord. And so then he asked them again, but whom do ye say that I am? Peter answers and says this way, that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. We might begin to think that, again, this was because Peter knew something about this matter. Well, he did. But it was because he also had been blessed to see that this was his Lord and his Savior. We remember that this also is the, the same Peter that a little later on was to deny his Lord also. So he was no different again than you and I are. He was a child of God. He was looking to his Lord with, with the eyes of faith here and he answers from, from his heart as we might say and he answers with, with faith and he answers correctly. And you and I also can answer the very same way by the, by the same reason or for the same reason even this afternoon because God has allowed us to experience that this is, this is his plan of salvation. We have come by that way where we have been able to enter into that sheepfold, as the scriptures tell us, by that door, that door which is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so Peter then, we believe, here answers by faith and says and answers correctly, as we see, because Jesus then replies to him this way and, it's, and says that, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. An amazing thing here, what Jesus tells his disciples and he tells us. 
He reminds us, I believe, of the very foundation of our faith. We know of the, well, I wouldn't even know how many different beliefs there are in the world today, but here we see that this is how God brings men to the knowledge of salvation in Christ Jesus. There are, there are maybe some that might begin to think, and we again are not so far away from those, that kind of thinking ourselves. I at one time thought that I could, if I was really careful, I could monitor, as we might say, my activity all day long here, and sooner or later I could find that I would get a little bit better. That I could be very careful, and I even tried that way. I prayed that God would allow this to be. I even told God in my prayers as a young person that, that this is these things that I've been doing, I'm not going to do that anymore. But as you probably have found out yourselves, it doesn't work that way. The more you decide that this is what I am going to do, the more that you do it. Or something else comes along to, to get in the way. So it is, I believe, that Jesus answers here and, and tells Peter and he reminds us and anyone that would look to that peace as the Bible tells us, that passes all understanding. It has to come by this way that God reveals Christ Jesus to us by faith. We don't get it by any other means. We can't begin to study for some 39 years, and, and because we have read so extensively, then we are able to see it. It comes because God reveals himself. He reveals that salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and the, all the examples that we find in God's word point to this very same thing. The most would we say, well, no, an example of all would be of Saul or Apostle Paul as he was to become. And we see that he was unable to help himself. He believed so absolutely in what he was doing that he even put God's people to death. He was that convinced, and we, we would have to reason with ourselves that he was, he was pretty comfortable with what he believed in, that he could even consent to people being put to death. And still he did not realize that he was going in the wrong way. Until that light which we believe is the glory of God in Christ Jesus shown and we notice what happens then and we probably ourselves have experienced somewhat the same way. When that light shone and, and he was able to see by faith, he answered immediately that Lord who art thou. There was no question anymore what he was dealing with. He had been, he had been allowed by faith to perceive that, that he was undone as we might say. It has been the same way, I am sure, for you and me also. And it, it doesn't matter whether we are a prodigal son or daughter or whether we are a childhood Christian, we all have to come by that same way. There is, and being that way myself, a, a prodigal son, there is much that is spoken of, should we say, of, of the prodigal sons and daughters, and they are precious in the eyes of God, and, and we pray that they would all return to the, to the fold of God. But it is also, I believe, that way that sometimes, and we have talked about that a little in our home congregation there, with one particular individual who has always been a child of God, and they, they felt that they were somehow a little bit of a second-class citizen, that nobody was talking about their situation. I don't believe that any of us ever began to belittle how blessed a state it is to be always in that in that household of God that we were so fortunate or so blessed to be born into. We all have to come by the same way. We remember that Jesus also indicated to his mother that that sword must pierce your heart also. We all have to come to that time when we see that we are undone in the eyes of God, that we are a sinner in need of God's salvation. 
We have to come by the same means as everyone else has always come from the very beginning of time and always will. We have to come by Christ Jesus our Lord and by no other means. And we notice that as, as there was varying opinions here of who this man Jesus was, that as Peter answered, so we answer also only because God has revealed himself to us through his word by the power of his spirit. And, and we are then able to answer as Peter answers, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Not because we have become so wise or so schooled or any other means or, or maybe we went out and sat on top of a mountain for a long time by ourselves. It doesn't make any difference. If God does not reveal himself to man, he is not going to find him. And oh, that the children of God would always remember to thank and praise him because we aren't just average people in that way. We are blessed in the eyes of God. He has called us, and I don't pretend to know why it is that he called one even such as me, but, but I believe I can say with you this afternoon that I thank my Lord and my God, that I am able to see the mysteries of God's plan of salvation as revealed in his word, and, and it is something that we have experienced. We have, we have known that this is how it is. I spoke not long ago of, and it always amazes me how we remember so clearly, and I am sure that you have your memories as well, but how it is that God deals with us. And I remember back home there, and I guess it was just Saturday night there when I was in Vancouver that I, that I mentioned of this. But I can still remember in, in my, kind of the picture in our minds, if, you, if we say that way, when I think back to that time as a young person, when there was that knowledge came that my conscience was in a bad way, and I prayed that, that, that it would go away, and it didn't, nothing happened. I thought at least nothing happened, but we know that God was doing his work. And it is not always that way that we make this perfect repentance. In this particular case, I had even no desire whatsoever to talk about those matters that were bothering me. It is no question, and, and when you, we look back on it, we can see that the hand of God was there involved. How it was that I had prayed many, many times that I could find that peace that I wanted. I knew where it was, but I didn't have any strength or, or willpower to, to do what I had to do. And then it was that way that on that particular day, and, and it's, as I say, funny how a person remembers this, and, and I can still see the sun shining through the kitchen window back there on the farm. And I don't even remember what the conversation was. But anyway, I was talking to my mom, who is, has since gone to her glory. And it was that way that the story began to come out a little bit, and she encouraged me to continue. And I sat there for some period of time in silence. I thought, no, I really made a mistake. Now I'm going to have to tell what it is. And I thought that maybe she would have to begin to reprimand me a little bit for being so silly or so stupid. And I remember that she again gently encouraged me to continue. And so it was that that's the way it went. And the problems that were there were brought to the light. And we know that that light is Christ Jesus. And I know, and some of you who knew Mom knew or know just as well as I how it was that she too walked by this same faith.
the Lord Jesus Christ was dwelling there by faith also. And I inquired that was there yet grace in the storehouse of God. We all know the answer already, don't we? Because that storehouse of God's grace has never been diminished, nor never will be as long as the doors of grace are open. And she blessed me with that forgiveness of my sins. It was as though I could have just floated right out the patio door. So happy a feeling comes over a person when you have experienced the great grace of God, his mercy and his love. Have you ever experienced that way? I believe you have. And so it is that 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 feeling or that experience, as we might say, is no different. I don't believe it is any different for a child of God or or one who has has been born as a childhood Christian or one who has left as a prodigal or perhaps one who has come from outside someplace whom God has called by the power of his spirit to look to that peace that passes all understanding. The, the effect is the same. There is an immediate something that takes place there when God, through his ambassador, forgives us our sins. And it has been that way that it always occurs to me that as we are sinners saved by grace, it is often a matter of sin that is on our conscience, but we remember, as the writer to the Hebrews tells us, that it may be only a weight that is upon our conscience or upon our heart that is hindering our faith. We can bring those things as well, and the Lord Jesus Christ will carry them for us. We don't have to carry them. He has promised to do that for us. It is only because we are so oftentimes, or again, I shouldn't speak for you, but for me only, it is often that way that I am just too stubborn to listen, and I, when the calling of the Spirit is there, we pretend that maybe we can go a little longer on our own. But God be thanked that he always, always again points our footsteps in that direction that leads towards home. And I believe that that is the only reason that we are a child of God, even if we want to put it that way, is that one day we can go home. We talked about that a little bit outside yesterday. We won't go into the details. Probably you all know about it anyway, but there is an an individual who is really sick, shall we say, and we don't really know just how that's going to turn out. And we pray that God would allow a healing there, and that is, I believe, a good prayer that we would pray that way. But if it is, and, and I was told that, that, that he has said that if it's that way, that this is my time, then I am ready to go. But I believe, and I remember asking Oscar Wilson about this many years ago, and that seems so long ago now, why it was that I didn't, as a young person, have that feeling that I would want to go home right away. I sort of thought maybe there was a few things that I had to do yet. And he had told me that God gives us also that will to live from the very time that we take our first breath when we are born. But I believe when we begin to bring this will to live, or whatever you would wish to call it, into the matter of, of living faith or these matters which are spiritual, and we were to take a little poll here, maybe, that if we had to decide right now, and we can believe that God would guide us even in that. But if we had to make that decision, was, was the Lord to come this very moment 
and we had to decide which way we were going to go, where we were going to accept his offer of eternity or were we going to go on our own someplace. There's no question how we would decide that answer. I am sure that each one of us would be ready to go immediately if the the Lord of glory was to extend his hand and call us home. So may God bless us that we always find ourselves in in that place where we are ready to go. And God will, I believe, as he has promised in his word when it tells us that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. As he has brought us to this point, we are believing children of God. We know that our salvation is in Christ Jesus and in no other. Then we are going to be ready when our time comes. It is such that we all have a mind nevertheless, and and it sometimes begins to tell us, especially our our flesh or the enemy of the soul, the devil or whoever, however you would wish to put it, begins to tell us that, that I don't think you're going to make it. That I really don't think that you are able to measure up as a Christian and that there is, you don't really have any place in that assembly of God's people. If the enemy of the soul ever comes and begins to tell you that way, you can tell him that he's absolutely right. That we don't have any reason why we should be here. But we can also tell him, can we not, that we are here because we have been called and we have been granted faith to believe that the power of God unto salvation is ours by faith in Christ Jesus. And that is the only reason I believe that any of us are here and that we can answer as we do because God has called us. He has performed that good work in us and he has revealed his will in our lives. He has blessed us with faith and he has extended his grace and we believe in that and in nothing else. And so it is that I believe that, that Jesus here replies then to Peter as he does because he, as he says, that flesh and blood has not revealed it. Peter didn't make that statement by any other means other than faith which had been granted him. He was able to see his Lord for what he was, his Savior. And, and so Jesus tells them as he tells us that this is how it has been, that my Father in heaven has revealed that. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I don't believe that we would ever begin to think that here now Jesus is beginning to tell us that he is going to build his church on Peter by any means. We remember again that who this Peter was and how it was for him and the many mistakes that he made and how it is that we are also the same way. But nevertheless, Jesus says this way, that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. I believe that we can see here by the eyes of faith again and by no other means what it is that he's talking about. It is upon this statement that Peter had made. As a, as a child, we can say that he was a child of God. He was one who was believing in Christ Jesus by faith and when, answer, when, when requested to make an answer as, as he was requested by Jesus or we could be asked this question by anybody in the entire world and we would answer the same way by faith that this is what we believe in, the Son of God, this Savior that has come to earth so that we might believe that we have that hope of, of eternity there in glory. And it is because Peter answered by faith and not by reason, because he trusted in that that which God had given him. And when he looked to Christ Jesus, he answered correctly because of that faith. 
And this is then, I believe, what it is that Jesus tells us that he is going to build his church on. He is building his church on that faith which, which has been given from God to his people. He, doesn't, he, he would never begin to build his church on, on, on Peter or on you or me or anyone like that because we know how soon that would last. It would last no time, absolutely no time at all. It would begin to fall apart because we don't have any, anything that we can begin to offer to God, do we? The only thing we can offer is that, that faith that we have that God has promised to be gracious, that he has promised to take us from time to eternity to be there in glory with him, that he has allowed us so sufficient amount of faith that we can believe that when God looks from heaven on that last day when we stand before him, he's not going to see us as we are. If he was to begin to see us as we are, he would see a, a pretty miserable specimen. There wouldn't be much there to see. There would, it would be a, an absolute disaster. But when he looks at us and sees us as we are covered in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, then he no longer sees what we are, but he sees that perfection which he has placed to be the only means of, of our passport to eternity. He is going to see that we are believing in that which he has provided in his Son. And we are believing in that because God has blessed us. He has, we might say, even compelled us to believe in it. Perhaps for you it has not been that way, but it has been that way for me that God had to simply, and now we are talking of, of that particular occasion in my life when I left my childhood faith and began to walk in, well, ways that we won't begin to talk about here. But I had many times heard, and even in, in services through that period of time, I remember going and, and hearing some of those old servants talk of, of how it was that they yearned to return. And I have to tell you, I had no desire to go back. No desire whatsoever. I was even asked by some of my friends that I had that, at that time that knew that I had, had one time attended church, that, that are you going to go back to that? But I was so confused a, a person at that time and, and so totally deceived by the enemy that I had answered that I didn't really care if I ever did. And, and, and the sad part is that I believed that too. And then again, as was almost a repeat, would we say, performance from the first time God had to show me that he was greater than me. It wasn't that I didn't know that I had erred in the eyes of my Lord. I knew that very well. But it didn't seem to matter how much the devil convinced me to continue to go headlong in that direction that leads away from home, not towards it. But for me, it was again, it was on the farm there different farm it was some thousand miles away from where I grew up even but and again God came and empowered me to begin to talk of those things and again we already know the outcome don't we because God has been gracious to each one of us and it doesn't matter where we have gone and how far it seems that we have left from the household of God when he strengthens us and empowers us or as I was going to say in my case compels me even to return to the flock of God's people there is no denying that 
That was one time when my headlong decision to go in the wrong direction came to an, an abrupt stop. And it was, it was, it happened to be in that case an elder Christian that I was in her, in her home. Just as a young fellow, I stopped her for a coffee, actually. And I began to, again, tell that story of those things that burdened me. Isn't that how it is? We, we find that we are unable and totally incapable of walking on our own. We have to trust absolutely and completely in our Lord and Savior and in his desire to save us from ourselves. And I believe that that is what Jesus means here when he says that it is upon this rock, that rock which was none other than Christ Jesus himself, and upon that foundation which we all stand, our faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that faith which God took me from, or took me from where I was going and placed my feet back on that way that leads towards home. God has been gracious from that time that I haven't done anything quite as ridiculous or as stupid as that again, but I don't mean to say that we have become perfect. We never will. God continues to carry us day by day in his grace and in his mercy. But we can, I believe, take immeasurable amount of comfort in this, that this is what Jesus said that he was going to build his church upon even. People like you and me. Not what we are in ourselves, but that which we are in Christ Jesus. And in the fact that we don't walk by sight, but that we walk by faith. And that we trust day by day in the power of God to reveal his will in our lives. And if it, if it comes that way, as we know, unfortunately, it does from time to time, the writer to the Hebrews tells us or reminds us in that same place that we quoted from before, how it is that we have to lay await the weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. We are that way. We are sinful people and we are not going to change, but we are also something else. We are absolutely perfect. We are treasured possessions in the eyes of our Lord. He has given us that kind of faith. He has given us the testimony of the goodness of God in Christ Jesus for that reason that we can tell others about it and that we can continue on that way that leads us from time to eternity. And it is upon this then that, that God has decided, or it is in this way rather, that God has decided to make his plan of salvation. He has built it around people just like we are. Not anything special, or not any kind of different from anybody else, but just regular, normal, ordinary kind of people. But in that spiritual sense, we are no longer ordinary, are we? We are blessed in the eyes of God. We, we must be so blessed that we can't even begin to explain it because God has called us to be his children and he keeps us there. He maintains us under his wings of grace and mercy. He never allows our faith to, to diminish to that extent that we can no longer believe. Our minds might tell us that we don't have faith any longer today, but God gives faith as we know and as we, again, we have experienced. It is not a matter of, of knowledge, but it is a matter of experience. And we have experienced that way that he has, even today, I believe, to each and every one of us, he has granted that measure of faith that we can believe, as we might say in this story that we have here. We know that that is probably a too simplified way of putting it. It is much more than that. It is the very essence of salvation. It is a precious and a treasured thing. 
but it is, it, it, it is recorded in that way that we might say it is the story of Jesus. It is the story of God's plan of salvation, and we are able to answer, our spirit can answer with that. And I thought of that even, even the other night when Brother Salguero was telling of his experiences, and I remember being in a gathering when he first came from Guatemala many years ago, and I was looking forward to listening to him. We, we remember that we are not here now beginning to put any honor or glory on men, we, we, but rather, I believe, look to this gift that God has given this individual, maybe. We don't look to the person, but anyway, as I was listening, one starts to, how would you say, anyway, as the story went on, he was telling of his life and, and, and so on and so forth, and, and I began, my mind begins to drift away. Then, when he began to take from his text, all of a sudden it, it, it came to me that now there is this something different. Not that I would ever begin to belittle his story. It is, it is amazing how God has dealt with him, and we all have our own story. But now we were no longer dealing with something that was, was, was a story, but we were now dealing with God's word, and, and the spirit began to answer. It's not that it wasn't there all along, it, it was, but all of a sudden God reminded me that this is his plan of salvation. Isn't that the way it is for us even today? If we begin to develop something here on our own, if we begin to tell a story that we didn't recognize, or if we begin to depart from this foundation which Jesus has created for us in Christ Jesus, in himself rather, God has created in Christ Jesus, we would immediately begin to notice it. We would know that right away now we are this, there is something wrong with this person. But our spirit, even though, and, and what I was thinking in uh, with with Brother Salguero was how it was his manner of speech was a little different, and and so on and so forth, and it was a little hard to understand him. But then, nevertheless, that that spirit of God was there, and our spirit can answer with that. And this is that I believe foundation that Jesus has built his church upon and he tells us that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The enemy of the soul cannot take us. He cannot physically or forcefully remove us from this, this salvation that we stand in, this faith that we have in what God has done for us. He might begin to tell us that he can. He might begin to try and convince us that, that your faith is only going to last so long and, and then I'm, I'm going to be so successful that you are no longer going to be a child of God. The enemy of the soul is the greatest liar that has ever lived. But there is one who is stronger. And Jesus tells us that it, upon this foundation and upon this salvation that he has made for you and me, that even the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Such it is that God reveals over and over again in his word how it is that he is going to deal with us, his people. He is going to give us faith. He is going to give us the ability by the power of his spirit to see salvation in Christ Jesus. He continues to reveal himself through his word, and not only through his word, but it, as we have already said, might even be around the kitchen table someplace when the matters of faith come up and we begin to talk of our experiences. He keeps our, our footsteps pointed in that way that leads towards our heavenly homeland where we know that we will one day go if we are believing in that redemption which is ours in Christ Jesus. And then he says, 
In conclusion, hear that I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now we come to that part that so totally escapes reason, at least to me that's how I would say it. We know all of us because we have experienced it and because we have read this many times ourselves and we have heard it explained and I don't have any corner on understanding here. I can't tell you something you don't already know. But he is obviously talking of when, or we remember when he told those that man that was sick of the leprosy, that son, thy sins be forgiven thee, and they immediately began to murmur. They began to say that he blasphemed and he told them that but that ye might know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He told that one to take up his bed and walk. And, and he, we also remember, as John reminds us, that the word in the beginning was with God and it was, it was made flesh and it dwelt among us. And I don't quote that exactly, but you all know that portion of scripture very well. And we know that he has given that power to men, not, not to us as, as carnal or sinful men, but he has empowered us by his spirit which lives and dwells within us. He has empowered us with that same same power, that same ability to act as an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. It is that power that we have also to forgive sins. When one comes to us and begins to explain, as, as I already made mention of my own experience, and when, and when I explained to that to, to my mom there, I'm sure she didn't see herself as anything special, but she blessed me with that forgiveness. She used that power which God had given her, that power to loose me from my sins, and he has given and placed that power within his church. But when we, if we were to begin to think about it, this matter of, of forgiveness, this matter of, of being able to forgive sins, is, or having our sins forgiven maybe would be a better way to put it, is, is something that if we had to look at it with the eyes of reason, it would never begin to add up. There is nothing about it that is attractive. What we, could, we can think of many things that we could begin to be as a Christian on the outside. We could attend church every Sunday and we could do, and not that we shouldn't, we should, that not, that's not what we mean, but we could do all of these things. And then when we got to this part here about repentance, where we have to begin to tell somebody else of those matters that maybe nobody else knows about. There's nothing there that, uh, that is attractive to our minds. And yet God has placed that power within his church. So it is that it has to be a complete and absolutely total work of God. He has to empower that person who has the sin upon their conscience to bring it to the light, which is Christ Jesus. And we know that Christ Jesus dwells within our hearts by faith. And, and, and no doubt you could, we could all tell of our own experience, but when it comes to beginning to talk about these things, we do it because we have been compelled by God. He has empowered us by the power of his spirit to bring those things to the light. And we know that we are not saved because we do this. The Bible tells us that we are saved by faith through grace. But we also know that the writer James reminds us that, we, that he would see our works by our faith. And this is also, I believe, one of the first works of faith. It is one of the greatest blessings that God has ever given to man that you can bring those things. And it doesn't always, we remind ourselves, have to be sin. But anything that would begin to 
hinder our faith, our ability to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can bring it to, to one of the ambassadors who stands as Christ Jesus himself because we know he lives and dwells within the hearts of his own. And so it is that we see that this whole plan of salvation, this whole matter of living Christianity as we call it, has to be something that is developed by God in heaven and then it is given to men. It is placed within our hearts by faith and we walk and believe in the goodness of God, the, the salvation which is ours in Christ Jesus. But this is why he has given us his church as he did. This is why he has said that he will build it and, and maintain it as our text tells us and it is also why he has given the power of the keys of the kingdom to his children so that we can continue to believe. It is, it is always that way that when I think of it, this matter of believing, I am reminded of Thomas and the statements that he made in Jesus. And I can kind of picture in my mind's eye because it, the Lord Jesus Christ has dealt with me also in the same way. He didn't begin to reprimand him. He didn't begin to tell him what a useless person he was, but he extended his hand and he invited him to believe. He does that very same thing for you and me this afternoon. There is nothing else that he wants us to do if we had to make one decision only but to believe upon that redemption which is ours in him. He wants us to believe in that power of God as it was given to Christ Jesus in that man, Christ Jesus, to empower us to believe that he can take us home. No question if he can give me the ability to believe that he can take me home, he can do the very same thing for you. And I believe that he already has, that you together with me are a child of God this afternoon, believing in the goodness of God in Christ Jesus and knowing absolutely that he will make it possible for us to go home so that one day we can leave from here. We don't know how it's going to be, but we will leave with this testimony on our hearts that I am a child of God, that I am believing in the redemption which is mine in Christ Jesus. I haven't been able to achieve it, but I am able to believe it. I believe we all can say that way today, that we can thank God that he has given us the eyes of faith to see those mysteries which are contained within this book, which, are, which is God's, would we say, road map that will lead us home. May God continue to bless us, each and every one, so that the, would we say, the testimony of our heart is that way, that we are believing in the goodness of God, in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.